M- Milo's not here? All right, Alan, let's, let's shut it down. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> Denise Koo is currently the Director of Patient Education at Seamless MD, where she leads a team that designs interactive, accessible online programs that guide patients in real time through their surgical self-care journey. She specializes in designing for health literacy, health behavior change, and accessibility. In the past 12 years, Denise has designed over 400 resources and programs for healthcare organizations across North America. She's worked at almost every teaching hospital in the greater Toronto area, and her programs have been shown to drastically improve patient satisfaction, reduce readmission, length of stay, and unnecessary emergency visit after surgery. Denise holds a Bachelor of Science in Nutrition and Food and a Master's of Health Science in Nutrition Communication from Ryerson University. This is Denise's second time on the Seamless MD podcast. Her first episode was episode number eight on incorporating health literacy and accessibility into digital patient engagement. If you haven't already listened to that episode, go check it out. It covers a lot about the importance of designing digital patient engagement and patient health education with health literacy and accessibility in mind. Today, we're super excited to have Denise here again, this time to share more on using digital patient engagement for total joint replacement surgery. Denise, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> Josh, I, I wasn't sure. Josh, I wasn't sure if you were going to talk or not. <laughs> I always get stuck after after the intro. I don't. I don't know if I'll jump in now, jump in later. We can do that again. You can welcome me again if you want. <laughs> well, Denise, no, you're always fine. welcome on the show. I, I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to roll with it. Um, <laughs> so, Denise, we we wanted to talk with you today specifically about total joint replacement surgery. We know you've done a lot of work with Seamless MD in designing these programs. And so we thought, you know, your expertise in this field would be uh, vitally important to share with our audience as well. Where I thought maybe we could kick things off, you know, whenever we do a new implementation, and Denise is super familiar with this, um, we always interview our patients to understand what topics would be important to them to cover. Uh, And these are patients who have already gone through a surgery before, so they they know kind of all the pitfalls and all the different uh, concerns and topics that were important to them. With total joint replacement surgeries, so like knee replacements and hip replacements, for instance, what were some of the topics that were important for patients to cover in the digital program? Yeah, I think um, talking to patients before we started designing the program, I learned a lot about their journey up to where they got to the point where uh, they were scheduled for surgery. Uh, Oftentimes, patients Um, have been suffering um, with pain and lack of mobility for a few years before they get to the point where they're scheduled for surgery. And so what's top of mind for a lot of them uh, is really their their hopes and and expectations of uh, finding some uh, semblance of uh, normalcy, uh, some ability to kind of return back to their normal levels of uh, mobility. Uh, A lot of patients like to talk about, you know, their hopes after surgery to, for example, like, Uh, walk their daughters uh, down the aisle or to be able to get down on their hands and knees and play with uh, their grandchildren or to return back to uh, their favorite sports. Um, For patients, you know, this surgery is really key uh, to uh, helping them get there. Um, And that's often what's top of mind. Uh, The other thing that we often hear, though, uh, is there is a lot of anxiety patients express about uh, taking opioid pain medications after surgery. I think on the news, we hear a lot about the opioid uh, epidemic. Um, And for the patients, um, they have, I guess, a lot of anxiety 
uh, regarding how much pain medication they need to take after surgery, but at the same time, they want to be able to really uh, manage that pain well. Um, so, you know, that's really top of mind for them. And a lot of what we do at Seamless uh, is to help educate uh, patients on how to take their uh, pain medication safely and the difference between opioid and non-opioid medications um, and how to take uh, the different types of them to manage their pain. Um, so, yeah, those are two of the most common things that we hear from patients when we talk to them. Hey, Denise, I'm, I'm wondering, um, what's your sense of um, what most hospitals are actually providing patients in terms of like normal education around like opioid use? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, from what I've seen in some of the original print resources, there are usually, there's usually like a paragraph about uh, managing pain medication. So like, you know, take this medication every X amount of hours. Uh, if there's not enough uh, pain control, uh, then take this second medication. Um, a lot of the specifics of what to take and how to take is actually provided verbally mm -hmm. um, to patients, uh, either by the surgeon or the pharmacist. Um, so not everything is written down. And definitely there's not uh, someone there who's coaching them through it day by day. Um, on an app. So there's a, there's a big difference on what patients typically receive uh, and what we provide at Seamless. Yeah, I even think about even like, I, I'm a relatively like young, healthy person and, mm -hmm. you know, I'll forget anything that I don't write down, like even like day-to-day -day work. I can't Same. even imagine. Yeah, if you're in hospital and you've just had a major surgery and you're, you're still kind of not your full self and I don't know how anyone remembers that stuff when they go home, to be honest. It seems pretty yeah. Rough. Yeah, we actually hear that a lot from patients as well uh, is that, you know, during when they were receiving instructions from the clinical team, either they were super stressed and they were blanking out, uh, or they were actually already on a lot of meds, which was actually affecting their ability to remember and focus on things. And so they really appreciate the additional reinforcement and reminders later on when they actually need to apply that instruction, and they feel more confident that they're doing the right thing. I also wonder how many patients, like as in terms of like, like our average patient even knows the difference between like a non-opioid and an opioid pain medication. Like I wouldn't be shocked if there was just a lot of like lack of understanding about the differences between the two. Yeah, uh, it's, it's actually very common, I think. Like even talking to my own friends and family who don't work in healthcare, often there's a lot of confusion about, you know, what is safe, what is not safe, what is opioid, what is not opioid. It's just something that we often, we don't often see explained in the media. Um, so it's really important education, I think, uh, for these types of surgeries. I think also, Denise, to your first point that you mentioned uh, about, you know, the concern being they want to be able to use their, let's say it's a knee or a hip, to be able to walk their granddaughter down the aisle or play with their grandchildren on the floor and, and things like that. From my experience, that's so overlooked because that's what the patient cares about. Whereas, you know, in healthcare, we care about oftentimes outcomes and clinical outcomes and not necessarily functional status, like being able to bend your knee so you can play with your kids and things like that. I think that's really unique and it's definitely a, an insight that patients would have more so than uh, healthcare providers necessarily. Um, are there anything in particular or any specifics that you've put into the, the Seamless MD platform to um, address some of these topics? So like, let's say the, the getting back to normal function or also the, the opioid and pain management? Yeah, um, so we, we do a few things to address it. Um, in terms of um, getting back to normal function, we actually send weekly emails to patients so they know what to expect week by week. 
um, and we also track their progress week by week. So they can actually see, you know, on their charts, on their graphs, how they're progressing towards uh, their goals, which will allow them to kind of achieve the, the dreams and hopes that they had initially. So the other thing that uh, we typically provide uh, weekly updates for for patients is when it's safe to start different activities. Um, so we start off right after surgery by telling them, you know, it's safe for you um, to, you know, brush your teeth and do like light daily things, um, get dressed by yourself, get in and out of bed by yourself. And we slowly, week by week, uh, let them know, you know, now it's safe for you to you know, go for a walk. And now it's safe for you to start different activities. So it actually gives them reassurance that they're making progress through time. Um, and it lets them see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is really right. important. I think it's neat that you're, you're taking it all the way to the, the micro amounts. So like brushing your teeth, for instance, that doesn't seem like yeah. to any regular person, that's not like a difficult task to do. But after a surgery, mm -hmm. it's totally like it's so overwhelming, all the different functions that you're not able to do. So it's almost motivating yeah. in that way. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely reassuring. I, I think one of the other things that um, that makes you know total joint replacement a really good fit for something like a, a digital platform is if you've ever seen a, a hip or knee replacement patient education booklet or guide, I mean, it's, it's often 50, 60 pages that uh, an elderly patient has to, to go through and remember. And mm -hmm. um, it must be very hard to try and follow that to, to understand like what those recovery milestones are. So I can definitely see why on a, on a digital platform where you're able to get notified at the right time of like what to do and what to expect, it's a lot easier for a patient to not have to sift through those 60 pages on their own um, to get that information. Yeah, I remember back when I was working at a hospital, I saw these gigantic binders of patient education information because the fact is, you know, there is a lot to remember and to learn to effectively manage your condition. Um, but, you know, oftentimes I also heard from patients that, you know, there was just so much cognitive overload and it was just so overwhelming that oftentimes they, they didn't even crack the book open because it was right. such a huge barrier. Uh, to for them to get started and just having seamless there to give them bite-sized pieces and, and to coach them through that process um, is super helpful and kind of reduces that psychological barrier to getting started we also have a lot of um, partners who kind of use like multimedia as well so I mean we have some partners who you know put in like exercise rehab videos for patients which seems like a simple thing but you know when you think about how most patients are receiving kind of like black and white um, you know, photos of exercises in these booklets, um, be able to actually see how to do those things properly, um, I think can make a big difference. And actually more recently, we've had some partners where because of COVID, um, they've had to cancel all of their, you know, in-person, you know, pre-op orthopedic mm -hmm. classes. And so what some of them have done instead is they've just filmed the class and then they just put it on seamless and you have patients who can just um, still watch the classes um, and still get prepared for surgery properly. So, and, and these are really simple things you would think, but but not all that common in healthcare still, um, but could definitely make a big difference. Yeah, I think um, typically in my inbox, I get patient feedback live and every day I get 100, 200 pieces of patient feedback live into my inbox. And what I often see from patients, especially for uh, the orthopedic programs is how much they love the way we guide them through their um, their surgery, post-surgery exercises, their stretches, their strength building exercises, etc. They love the illustrations that we're able to provide. 
the simple written instructions and of course those videos as well. Oftentimes these videos are um, created by the healthcare teams themselves and we're just kind of pushing it out at the right time for the patients and they love seeing their clinicians' faces uh, on those videos. They find it very reassuring and mm -hmm. I'm sure now um, during this time of COVID, it is an extra special touch to make them feel like they're still connected to their healthcare team. Um, so it's something that patients really love and I'm so happy that we're able to provide that for them. That's great. Uh, I imagine there are some other unique kind of design functions in the platform to accommodate, you know, knee flexion, for instance, and things like that. Are you able to speak to kind of the, the unique design aspects that have been programmed into like an orthopedic digital patient engagement platform? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll uh, start that conversation and I'll pass it over to Josh, who can probably give uh, a few more details regarding that. But one of the coolest things, I think, on our orthopedic programs, uh, especially our um, knee replacement programs, uh, is the knee um, angle tracker and the straightening tracker. So the way it works is that there's a little guy on the screen, um, you know, sitting on a chair and you can actually change the angle of the legs of the little guy on the screen uh, to reflect how much you can uh, bend your knees on any given day. Uh, same thing for the straightening one where you have a little guy kind of sitting there with his knee straight and you can show um, how, how well it's able to straighten out. It's a really, really cool feature um, and it actually existed at Seamless uh, before my time. Um, I've heard from uh, Josh that uh, credit goes to uh, Holland Center, uh, who worked with Josh and Willie uh, to put this on the system and make it available for all our programs. But Josh, do you want to add more to that? Uh, yeah, so um, I don't know exactly when um, this sort of uh, idea first came up at the Sniper Holland Center, but I think, you know, probably over a decade ago, it sounds like. Uh, um, the traditional way to measure, you know, range of motion of a knee um, after a knee replacement was you would, I think, have the patient come in and then the physiotherapist would actually, um, you know, see how far the patient could stretch or bend their knee and then kind of use a um, kind of like, a, I think it was like a protractor type of an instrument to, to measure that angle. Um, and then I think one day they asked, well, I, we wonder if, if a patient, you know, self-reported, self-measured these angles, would it be just as valid as what a physiotherapist is measuring? Because if it was like, pretty good then maybe we could have patients self-report these and we wouldn't have to have them come back in every time just to get a measurement done and so I think they had hundreds and hundreds of patients um, measure the range of motion themselves and then compare that to what a physiotherapist me uh, measured and they found that there was very strong agreement between the two strong enough that that uh, patients self-reported measure that was considered as valid as a physiotherapist's uh, measurement of, of the knee range of motion and so we kind of um, used that um, concept and design to inspire, um, you know, the way we did it in a more interactive way on Seamless. And I think kind of the exciting thing is that in the past, maybe they were only measuring that, you know, once a week, once every couple of weeks when the patient came in for physio, or maybe the patient was recording at home on paper. But with Seamless, you know, every time they record it, it goes right to our back end and we're tracking, you know, you know thousands and thousands of data points of, of ranges of motion. And we can actually put these like really neat um, dashboards and graphs about, you know, what does the typical range of motion look like throughout the recovery period? And so there's, there's like this really unique picture now about what does the patient experience look like in recovery for a knee, which really, uh, it was difficult to, to get that picture before. And, and we're kind of with our partners been kind of innovating on that. So that's been really neat. 
Um, and you can kind of imagine like the future of this is like, what if we had other interventions in, in your place, whether that's new implants or devices or protocols, how does that affect range of motion? And, mm -hmm. and now there's a pretty quick way to, to analyze that kind of data. Uh, that, that's really Ideally, exciting. Yeah, like granular. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think like one unique thing that we're able to do through that knee ankle tracker uh, is we're able to actually provide uh, encouragement and education as a patient progresses. We can actually now let them know if they're progressing um, as as planned, I guess, um, or not, and kind of remind them to do their different stretches and exercises as needed um, if they're falling behind in some way and to give them really specific next steps on um, how to get themselves back on track. Um, so it's a very... Uh, fun, but also a very educational tool for patients as well. I think it's a really great point, Denise, because I think one of the challenges we find with patient-reported outcome surveys in general is that you're asking the patient to give you all this data, but these survey tools generally provide like no value back to the patient. Like we're asking, 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 yeah. and then we're surprised mm -hmm. when patients don't want to, you know, respond to these surveys. Mm -hmm. But, but to, Denise, to Denise's point, it's really cool how on Seamless, if you tell us how far your knee can bend, um, we actually give you feedback on, like, are, are you bending as far as you should be by this time of recovery? Are you behind? And then um, is, it, is it, are you, you know, so far behind that maybe you should call your physiotherapist and get it looked at? And I think what we found through our experience is that when patients actually get value from, um, from the platform, they're, you know, more willing to give that data because they're actually, there's actually a, a value exchange there, um, which is unique in healthcare because usually patients just are being asked to give data and answer surveys and they're not really getting anything back. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we realized that you, you got to go one step deeper to actually make it worth your time. Exactly. And at the end of the day, that is actually just, that's the magic sauce for patient engagement. Um, in order to get patients engaged at every step, we just have to provide value. And if you provide value at every step, naturally patients will continue to stay on the platform and engage in a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I think that is the key to the success that we've had at Seamless of getting people of all age groups involved in our programs is we keep talking to patients and asking them what they value. Uh, and then in turn, providing that on the system so they'll continue to um, to want to engage with us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Dees, can you talk a bit about kind of some of the um, the the tracking that that we're doing with for opioid um, use for something like a like an orthopedic surgery? Like, what are we typically tracking, and, and what sort of feedback um, my patients get through that experience? Yeah, uh, we're very fortunate to have a very talented uh, pharmacist on our patient education team. Uh, and she's done a phenomenal job of really flushing out uh, our simple opioid tracker into something quite magnificent now. Um, so now in our programs, we're actually able to educate patients on the difference between opioid and non-opioid medications. Uh, we teach them how to take that, uh, the non-opioid medications uh, regularly, so they only need to rely on their opioid medications as needed. Uh, when they do take their uh, opioid uh, medications, we're actually able to track uh, how many tablets or pills they're taking uh, on a day-to-day -day basis um, and to provide some coaching and feedback if, uh, you know, it exceeds the recommendations that their clinical team is giving them. Uh, on the clinician side, we're actually able to provide really great uh, charts and data for the clinical team. So they are actually able to see uh, how their patients are using their opioid medications on a day-to-day -day basis. 
um, we have Javon, uh, amazing data scientist, uh, who was able to make these graphs and convert everything to um, morphine equivalents. Um, and so it's very useful tool, both for the patients from an educational standpoint, uh, for managing this pain and, and the medications, but also from the clinician's standpoint, uh, they're able to get amazing data through the tools that we have. That's really cool. And it reminds me how I think sometimes like when organizations are, are looking at digital patient engagement for the first time, they, uh, I think there's a misconception that that all you're doing is just um, delivering the, the booklet digitally. Mm-hmm. But like we're talking about some pretty like robust, like complex workflows and algorithms and data collection. I think in, in some some ways, things they haven't even thought of doing before. I think that's the really cool part about this. I mean, I think there's probably a lot of workflows and and designs and things we haven't even thought of yet that we're mm-hmm. gonna figure out over the next couple of years and innovate on. Um, that, that's really exciting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, Denise, I love how you're using the words like coach. It's coaching the, the patient along and it's, you know, personalizing mm-hmm. that experience based on what they've actually entered into the platform, what their condition actually is. You also mentioned, you know, making the platform as valuable as you can for patients by asking them, you know, what did you value most and how do we deliver more value to each patient? Um, I'm sure you, you know, you mentioned you have 100, 200 uh, email messages every single day from patients. What type of uh, things have patients valued the most from SeamlessMD and from their, their experience with the, the ortho program on Seamless? I definitely get the most comments with like, very excited exclamation marks um, about our exercise uh, coaching. Um, So every week um, our exercises uh, refresh on the system and they're actually taught new exercises as they proceed through their recovery. Um, So they're able to watch the videos, um, look at the illustrations um, and read the instructions and patients absolutely love that. Um, they, they find it so exciting, so engaging, and, you know, they always have their phones in their pockets so they can actually carry the instructions with them wherever they go, whether they're at home or not, they'll always have access to those instructions and they really appreciate that. The other thing they really love is that, you know, we track, uh, the exercises that they actually end up doing. So we have a progress chart where they're able to see, uh, every day, uh, how they're keeping up with their different exercises, how they're progressing with their stretches. And patients have said that, you know, it, it's really encouraging to see like on the charts, on the graphs, the progress that they're actually making. Um, they can see that their pain is decreasing day by day and they know that they're getting closer to their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they really love about the program is how positive and empowering uh, that mm-hmm. experience is for them. Yeah, it, it almost, it sounds like it keeps them and holds them accountable as well. Like they could, they see how, they're, how they've recovered so far and they know the milestone they need to hit. So you know, in a way it is like a coach in your pocket where you have this accountability partner. Exactly. Um, some patients have said on their comments uh, that there's some days where they feel a little less motivated, maybe a little bit more tired. Uh, but the fact that, you know, the app will remind them on that day, hey, you know, these are the exercises you have to do today, uh, keeps them accountable um, and keeps them on track for their exercises. And, you know, they're actually really grateful uh, to have that coach in their corner. Mm-hmm. Josh, did you have anything else or otherwise, Denise, I know you're familiar with our fast five lightning round. I can jump over to that. All right. So Denise, I wanted to change up these questions. That way I'm not giving you the exact same ones as last time. So (laughs) question number one, uh, what is something that you believe that others in healthcare might find insane? 
God. I think that is a stretch for a lot of scientists. Um, so yeah, that one. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, question two, how has a failure, and, and this is taken right from Tim Ferriss's book, but how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a, a favorite failure of yours? <laughs> yeah, I think if I was going to find my favorite failure and probably my biggest one, I'd be reaching all the way back uh, into my childhood. Uh, when I was a kid, I actually really wanted to be a vet. Uh, I really love animals, still really love animals. Um, and, you know, my whole life I had been working towards, you know, applying to vet school. And I think just about maybe six months or so before applications, I suddenly uh, became extremely allergic to cats, um, yeah. like to the point where like my eyes were completely swollen up and like my nose were running, my nose was running a lot. Um, and this was a huge devastating blow to me. Um, and you know, I was, you know, young, a teenager at that time. Uh, and I was thinking, oh no, this must be, you know, divine intervention. It's is not meant to be. Um, and I was actually quite sad, mm. uh, for quite a long time. Uh, and my motivation for school and all that dropped, uh, for a while. Um, so when university applications actually came, I just applied to a bunch of really random programs that I thought might work out. So I applied to business programs, I applied to early childhood education, I applied to nutrition, um, and you know, thank goodness, um, I ended up in human health care uh, in nutrition first. Um, and I guess uh, they say the rest is history, but I would count that as uh, the best failure uh, that mm -hmm. I've ever had. Um, and it's put me on this amazing path to help so many people uh, in healthcare. And, you know, now I still get to run my dog bakery on the side. You know, Denise, that reminds me of how uh, when Seamless first started, we, we tried doing Seamless Vets in parallel because human health curve Let's was do so it. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, we it's tried and, and, and then we failed. <laughs> well, now we have to do human health care in Seamless. <laughs> it's parallel to my journey. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So what you're saying is in an alternate universe where seamless pets took off and Denise became a vet, she's using seamless pets as a as Well a no, more more like we would have met anyways, because in the alternate <laughs> yeah, universe we're both doing pet stuff. It's destiny. <laughs> That's great. Uh question number three, Denise. Would you rather have invincibility, sorry, invisibility or super strength? Wait, how strong are we talking about, Alan? <laughs> I, as strong, yeah, as strong as like Superman. Mm. Um, I definitely would choose uh, invisibility. I'm a huge fan of Harry Potter, and a cloak <laughs> of invisibility sounds amazing. So that's definitely on my list. That's a good answer. Yeah. Uh, Wait, Alan, question, Alan, what would you pick? I would choose invisibility as well. I just think that's that's a fantastic like skill to have. Imagine if you could turn invisible as opposed to just super strong. It's like you know, you can lift you can, stuff. You can do like <laughs> any movie you wanted to. You can speak. You, you can do like anything. That. Yeah, almost anything you want. You're only limited by your own speed, and that's about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, Yeah, I mean, if it was a question for me, I would probably change the question. I'd say let's choose two different skills, but that's what we went with. Um, what question, about you, Josh? <laughs> oh man, I mean, honestly, probably invisibility because. If I had super strength, like what would I do with it? Exactly. Like, like exactly. go to like like world strongest person competitions. Like what what yeah. am I doing with my super strength? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, question number four, Denise, what is your favorite movie? Ah, so really great question because uh, I married a filmmaker, so he'll probably judge me on my answers. Um, but uh, my favorite movie is Forrest Gump, mm. uh, which is also his favorite movie. And a close second uh, is uh, The Sound of Music, which is oh, a classic. Nice. Yeah. Um, and everyone in my family loves that when I grew up singing those songs in my living room. So they're definitely close one and two. That's brilliant. Uh, last question that I have. Uh, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? So I prepared for this one and I Googled it. So apparently it's 700 pounds. Ah, <laughs> I did not know that. I was not Me neither. prepared for that answer. 700 pounds. Hold, hold on. Wait, did, did they do a, a randomized, randomized control trial of woodchucks <laughs> to see... <laughs> Apparently, a biologist did an estimate. <laughs> no way. Yeah, they actually did. Wow. Yeah. Must have been what? a fun project. Uh, yeah. I kind of love that there was a, a formal <laughs> analysis and like a, a real theory behind this. I, I really, really enjoy that. Classic nerd answer, right? <laughs> no, it's perfect. That's so good. Um, well, awesome, Denise. I'm looking at the time. We're, we're out of time, so I'll end it here. But um, I do want to thank you again for being on the show, this time highlighting you know, all the success that you've built into the program for orthopedic patients and patients using digital patient engagement for total joint replacement. Um, it's kind of a, a great stepping stone from health literacy and now diving into exactly you know, the specifics that are put into the program. So I think uh, our audience would definitely value that. And, and Denise, I certainly did. So I really appreciated the conversation today. Josh, you as well. Thank you so much for being on the show. You got it. Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Alan, as always. Thanks for inviting me. All right. See you, Denise. Thanks. Bye.